Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Hey. We're back for another week. It's the podcast. As always. How about that? We're yeah. back. Like, you, got, you know. The fucking we're one, here again. The odds are pretty much perfect that we're going to fucking be here because this is just what we do right now. No, you know? it's true. I feel like that. Yeah. No, yeah. We're starting a cult that's grand. I'm Jake. You know this. I quit. I'm done. Well. I give up. Are you sure? I give up. Can we do this one? You know what? Absolutely. Come right, on. What cool. are we going to not do it? Cool. It is Friday the 13th of May. How about that? Oh, I didn't even realize. Yeah. Oh, is. my God. It is 513. <laughs> Why did you mention this before? I would have been so much more careful everywhere. Careful? For, yeah. Oh, oh, the yeah, the superstition thing. It would be so scary. It is Halloween in May, essentially. It's Friday the 13th. Everybody, uh... I don't know. A history of the number 13 would be intriguing to me. We could probably do that. But I just to be honest with you, I just... I go with the flow. I know the 13's got some bad juju, so I try to avoid it. It seems like a section of, of an episode we could do. I was like, what do you, you mean? Know? It seems like a section. It's like, it's a... Uh, Jake, I hate to tell you this. It's actually a number. It's just between 12 and 14. Yeah, it's a section. It's just a number. But... It is Friday the 13th of May, 2022. Yeah. We are here, as always. We are starting a cult back with a brand new episode for you to listen to and critique and uh, possibly even ignore. I don't yeah, know what you, guys you can do whatever you want with this. I don't know what you do, and I'm not going to question it, because you know what? That's not for me to decide. It'll just be rude. But... We are moving back into the realm of crime and criminal behavior. Yeah. Things of that nature. You can probably tell by the, the title. I'm going to go ahead and assume that you can, um, but that's just me, you know? Who knows? But we are here. Dude, you know, I was I was telling Griff that we were doing the, the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway, which is what we're doing, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, how come no one knows about this guy? So I feel like the people just don't know about this guy. I think it's too new. I feel like um, we're biased because we this is like what we do. Yeah, he's but. the guy that I will always talk about. Um, before uh, there's actually a name on the Green River Killer, um, there's actually a cousin of mine that brought that up, was talking about the Green River Killer. I was a child, very young child. Was like, You're like four. I was like, I can't believe that. Nobody caught that man. He's like, yeah, not yet. And um, what are the odds? You know? What do you know, 2001? What are the odds? Or it might have actually been like, it was probably later because I was still like like way too young. Yeah, I was thinking about that but it doing was, this. You know, before like people had crazy access to the internet, so we probably just didn't know at that point. Yeah. And like had heard about it previously. And I was like, oh, I don't fucking know if they caught that guy or not. I mean, the court proceedings took a while. Mm. But yeah, Gary Ridgway, the Green but Killer. But I would say that's probably why many people don't know about him. Or I shouldn't say that. Why it's not talked about as much. It's just too recent. It does. It doesn't have that draw of back in the day. It's recent, and he's not very marketable. Yeah, it's, you know, it's very. Aggressive, he's not like handsome. Very high body count. 
Um, realistically, it's just like a sad story of a very broken man. Yeah, he's he's he he didn't have it was never in the cards for this guy. And yeah, it's just it's. I think give it some time, and eventually it'll be. Probably something that we get like a, a mini series on or like a long documentary on. Oh, I'm sure we're getting those left and right lately. Um, but yeah, as of right now, he's he's pretty much uh, I'd call him like a B level true crime story because he he's B plus. He's got some records. You he's know. definitely bigger than some others, um, but he's he's definitely not in that top tier list of popularity. Yeah, I mean, sure. he's definitely above Louis Garavito, which is. Who we did first? Yeah, that's like a D level. That's yeah. like it in the United States. Not many people are really ever going to talk about that guy, Luis Garavito. You want to you want to start talking about this guy's sad ass story? You know what? Fuck it. it, it yeah, it, you're gonna realize if you ever do a supercut of all of our true crime episodes, they're all pretty much the same fucking story with different people. A little bit. They're all just like very sad people. And hey, to be honest, I don't think we've actually covered, like, at least done a full episode on, like, a woman. Um, no, I don't think so. So, it, they're always, like, men that have just had, like, really bad luck and just really not good lives. And then they end up in, uh, they, they turn just around and do, do the same thing killing to people. Yeah, they just kill them. All right. It's going to follow a very similar <laughs> format. You're going to see. It will. But all right, so Gary Ridgway, he's also known as the Green River Killer. We are, we were talking about that the first five minutes of this podcast. Catch up. Uh, he was an American serial killer whose body count is second only to the infamous Samuel Little. Oh yeah. All right, Little's body count is speculated to be at roughly ninety-three people. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, ri- I get tired. It seems like a lifestyle. You know, a lifestyle choice. Yeah, I'd have to say that anyway, that's the only way. Yeah. Well, Ridgeway's, uh, his body count, it sits at around between 71 and 90. All right. All right. Which is so many people. 49 of these murders are confirmed, and they all uh, were perpetrated in a 16-year span of time. Oh, yeah. But really, it was pretty much like two years, which we'll get to later. But anyway... Uh, it mostly consisted of sex workers and runaway young women, as, you know, it's following a, a pattern here. Uh, there, there's there's not really much more I could say without going into just his life. I say, let's just dive in. Let's, let's just, just do it. Let's just do it. All right, Gary Leon Ridgway. He was born February 18th of 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the middle child of Mary and Thomas Ridgway's three sons. All right. And he's the middle boy. Uh, the household was troubled to say the least, right? So Gary's mother, Mary, was described as domineering and brutal by many accounts of both acquaintances and family. Gary and Mary. So she just got a bad reputation. Uh, she was physically abusive towards her family, but to none more than her husband, Thomas. She was a husband beater. That's and Especially at that time, that's very different, to oh, say the least. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's coming out now, that, like with like the the Depp Heard case or whatever. It's like, yeah, this like happens. Yeah, it does. And it's happen. weird that it's like the first trial to really like be honed in on about that. But anyway, in any case, yeah, she she beat Thomas a lot. Thomas worked as a bus driver, and Gary apparently recalls him coming home at night with no bigger complaint than all of the sex workers that he had to uh, rub elbows with at work that were plaguing the streets. He wasn't a you know, fan, huh? He didn't like him. He was like, well, these sex workers. What, what, come on, Gary, my son. Uh, so Gary recalls witnessing countless violent arguments between his parents, oftentimes including Mary physically beating and assaulting in a plethora of ways her husband, Thomas. Damn. Right, so, it's a rough thing to see. It's a little backwards than what we're used to seeing, but it does, it affects you just the same. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, like Gary was also not the favorite child either, so he was just on the wayside in many degrees. Right. Uh, in one specific story, Gary apparently remembers her breaking a thick ceramic plate over his father's head. Jeez. Oh, and Mary worked at J.C. Penney. Nice. <laughs> so so no shortage those, of plates. Yeah, it's like she can get deals on you know. Kitchen equipment, and yeah, of that nature. Oh yeah, I'm sure she, she had ready. a nice she had discount. All, probably fucking at least fifteen percent off 
And you got to think, this is back in the day. Money, you know, money, you got paid less, but money could really stretch a lot further. Yeah, and snip some coupons out of the newspaper, forget about it. You're, like, living off J.C. Penny for free. Yeah, she really had that hookup there. I mean, you could... A woman like that who's beating her husband, he probably just takes shit and no one's going to say Probably, anything, so yeah. It yeah. I'm not going to call her out for stealing. She'll beat me. Yeah, that's not my business. Yeah. Uh, Gary also had dyslexia and an IQ of about 82. Okay. So, he it, again, not in the cards to be smart or have a good life. Yeah, he's uh, a little bit, little bit behind what we would call probably the average. Yeah, people can have this IQ and be dyslexic and be fine, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. So, uh, uh, so this, on top of being neglected emotionally and witnessing an absurd amount of domestic violence between his parents, and it's probably safe to assume that him and his brothers were beaten too, right? Like it's probably probably at least a little more bit. than likely. Some of that spillover definitely had to happen yeah. at some point some in time. Some spillage, maybe he's a piece of ceramic from the plate got in his eye or something like that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, it made for a perfect storm. It seems. All right. So throughout his childhood, Gary Ridgway checked all three boxes of the McDonald Triad. He's a bedwetter. <laughs> he's a bedwetter. He's a fucking arsonist, and he tortured animals. Yep. Right. Um, he, yeah, checked all three. He was caught many times setting fires. He would smother cats around the neighborhood. And he was a bedwetter all his life until he was 13 years old. Damn. Now, That's a you, long this, time to be pissing the bed. Fire is, like, cool, especially when you're young and learning how to, like, fuck around with Dude, fire. I was lighting bonfires, like, in 90-degree weather as a kid because I was like, bonfires are fucking awesome. Fires are cool, but definitely not animal herding or bedwetting. It's yeah. not, a, not a culprit That's either. That's true. Though, Mitch so. has a question. So why do people think that bedwetting uh, contributes to people becoming serial killers? I don't think it's like a contribution. It's just like a, an early sign of people that tend to later do these kinds of crimes. It's a symptom, if you will. Okay. It's so a why? symptom. Why, why does that happen? At least in my understanding, it's a symptom because it, it's, a, it's a sign of some form of trauma or it's mental like, trauma. Yeah, it's like an emotional distress sort of thing, like an insecurity mentally. Yeah. So in a way. Something, something is imbalanced in your psyche. Uh, typically emotionally, and it it can lead to things like bedwetting. Yeah, and arson and smothering cats. All that stuff makes sense. Yeah, especially yeah. like <laughs> the animal thing. Like normal people don't do that, you know. Yeah, I I remember I had to shoot that bird in the back of the head out of pity uh, in your yard the other day. That wasn't like that years. Was a couple of that years was years ago. ago. It was the other day. That was, that was miserable. It was multiple days uh, before, but it was I like I blame. I blame the. I won't even use the name, just out of out of respect for the man. But uh, somebody that we are very close to, um, a bird flew in through a window at while he was at work, and and it hurt itself. It hurt itself it, bad. It fucked up its wing and its leg and its neck, and. It he put it in a box and brought it home and and brought it to us. For brought some it reason. to your house for some reason. He brought it to us and he was like, "Guys, look what I have!" And he had this fucked up bird that like couldn't see. Its neck was twisted. Its leg was backwards and its wing was all Dude, busted. And it was it's, shitting on itself. Its eye was like flooded with blood. There was piss everywhere. And, like, it was yeah. just writhing. And like we're just like, "Why did you bring? Uh, you put this in your car?" So naturally, naturally, I did not let it come into the house. We left it outside, and we were doing something. We went somewhere. It was in the summer. And I we think it, like, w- it was in, like, 4th of July. We went to a fireworks display. Oh, yeah. So we were like, okay, and then, we'll, uh, we'll leave it outside. We'll leave it in the box. We'll put some food and some water in there, and we'll leave it. And like, when we come home, we'll check on it. We came home. It was worse. Like, it was just, all, it was, like, barely alive. It was, like, gasping for air. Yeah. You know. And he was like, no, we could save it. We were like, how the fuck are we going to save this bird? This thing's it's got dead. two broken wings, probably no finances left. It's 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 out. Like, this bird is done. So we had to we had just put it out of its misery. Yeah, I, uh, I took a pellet. I took it out to the middle of a field, and I used a pellet gun to shoot it in the back of the head. Yeah. And the first one didn't kill it. And so I had to shoot it again. 
You're really making yourself sound like a monster here. Yeah, but the whole point of this this side quest of a story is that I didn't even feel good about that, and that was probably the right thing to do. No, literally, <laughs> you know, the only yeah. reason that we did it was because it we could not just let it was the box was covered in blood and piss and shit. Yeah, it was not. We, the that, bird's name was Stella because it was a Stella beer box. Yeah, I I'm not gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that we did not abuse any animals of anything. We were just trying to do what was best for that poor fucking decimated bird that was brought to my house against my will. Yeah. So that's our experience <laughs> of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, as you can tell. We still talk about it like we like we relive that day. Okay? Yeah, I thought it was the other day. Yeah, it's it's just fresh in my mind. None of us enjoyed that by any stretch of the way, and I like to consider that as normal behavior because none of us were like, "Oh yeah, we get to kill this bird." It was like, "Are you? Why?" Would no, you that lives in infamy in my mind constantly. Yeah, it's like we have to fucking do something about this guy. That's what happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Gary's setting fires. He's fucking smothering cats. He's peeing the bed. Pivotal thing, this bedwetting, though. Because you know what his mom would do every time uh, he'd piss himself? Make him drink it. That may have been less scarring in a way. She would wash his genitals for him uh, herself every time. And say, you're so dirty, you're so old to be doing this, so you're so you're bad, you're so dirty. All the while, just like, washing it. Just what, I don't know. And Gary, he was infuriated by this, Gary was. I mean, yeah, that's fucking not She would do it herself. Okay, that's weird. That's super, that's bad. (laughs) Uh, He would later say that this caused him to have extremely dissonant emotions of uh, anger and sexual attraction towards his mom. Immediately linking anger and sexual attraction and throwing some Oedipus in there. You know, it's it's not good. Yeah, he's definitely having a go of it very young. The age of 13, yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, sexual attraction towards his mom. And the anger uh, was only intensified by the fact that she was always get, like she was always saying how uh, he was too old to be doing this kind of thing and how much of a burden it was on her and uh, this thing. You know, this thing he couldn't control, really. Right. So, it's like you're helpless. Like, there's nothing you can do. It's like... In later interviews, he's like, I just wanted her to stop. She was pushing and pushing. I just, she just, like, I had no power, and I wanted to take it back, you know? Um, uh, yeah, so uh, another uh, example of emotional abuse came in the form of Mary calling Gary into her bedroom at night and demanding that he read to her. Oh, All right, okay. so with with his dyslexia and minimal brain power, he struggled greatly with this and was often just straight up made fun of by his mom. Damn. Yeah, she she would like shame him in everything he couldn't help. Every yeah. aspect of him that he could not help. She was like, "Why the fuck? You suck. I hate you, Gary." Uh, so meanwhile, uh, making uh, making his uh, forever associating sexuality with anger, like I said, and hatred. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Gary oftentimes fantasized about killing his mom. But he would also peep on her sunbathing, so it's it's super weird, man. Yeah, he's got a lot going on up there. A lot to unpack and here. None of it's very healthy. No. To say the minimum. I would say the same. All right, so throughout high school, Gary struggled. Uh, right. But he managed to garner like a reasonably good social life. Luckily enough, I guess. Uh, he was sort of known as a ladies' man, like he had some girlfriends and stuff, and he had like a few good friends. And some of his friends gave some of the insight uh, to investigators later uh, as to just how domineering Gary's mother was as well. So they said even the idea of a snack of any kind after school was uh, was off the table for Gary. He was like legitimately afraid to even eat a slice of bread after school out of fear of what his mom would do. And his I'll friends were just healthy. like, this is sort of fucking weird. They'll keep you healthy, I guess. I guess but maybe you just eat a slice of bread. I don't see. <laughs> was he going to kill you? Like bread like that. I mean, well, maybe the, the like bread is butter. an example of how like stupid it was. It's like you can't eat anything. I'd be pissed you know? if you ate a slice of bread too, because it's like, well, now there's going to be an uneven piece. What if somebody wants a sandwich? You know, it's like we, we, we got problems. <laughs> Are you now. siding with Mary right now? No, I just the bread specifically is. I'm like I, 
I get it. Don't eat the bread. All know? right. All right. Don't Leave eat the, the bread, bread alone, Gary. That's where you fucked up. Have something else. You, you see, know? that's why you went on to do all that you did. Popcorn's a great after-school snack. It is. It's just ideal. Dude, smart pop with the white cheddar. Come on. You get to feel like you're eating a lot, and it fills you up, and it tastes good, and it's just, it's nice. It is nice. It's better than a, a piece of bread. Yeah. Also, one pretty bad thing. Uh, that happened during this time during high school you know oh, one pretty bad thing. Uh, this is, well it, there's a lot of bad stuff but like this one kind of outshines a lot of them uh at the age of 16 gary lured a six-year-old boy from the neighborhood into the woods and stabbed him in the liver whoa <laughs> he just stabbed him through the ribs into the liver uh the boy survived and told authorities that Gary walked away laughing, saying to himself out loud that he'd always wondered what it was like to kill someone. But again, the the boy survived. Damn, that's brutal. And I guess nothing just came of this, because I couldn't find any of the reaction of any of this. It just happened. Like, this is... Hmm. There was no... Police, I don't know. Uh, so, all right, let's see. Uh, nothing happened. Uh, this aside, however, like I said, pretty social and well-liked guy in high school, <laughs> even though he stabbed that, that young man. Uh, he was held back for one year due to his dyslexia and graduated, uh, Tai, it's T-Y-E-E, Tai, maybe? I don't know what the hell that means. Tai High School, all right, and that was in 1969. At the age of 20, he graduated high school. But soon after, uh, he went on to marry his then 19-year-old high school girlfriend, Claudia Craig. All right. And the two of them immediately moved to Seattle, Washington. Damn, that's quite a quite a haul. Got to get away from Mary. All right, all right? fair enough. You know, you don't want to be around Mary. Um, so the, the very next year, at the age of 21, Gary Ridgway joined the Navy. And he was sent to Vietnam on a supply ship where he actually saw like a fair amount of action. That he, to this day, has never talked about. Damn. Yeah. He, well, he, he probably loved it, though. He may have. I don't know. But he talked about all the other stuff they went on to do later. So it's like, uh, tit for tat. Like, what, what are we doing here? Um, he, yeah, he never really talks about his combat. But he that wasn't the only action he was getting there, if you know what I mean. All right, I you know feeling. what I'm going to say? I have a feeling I know. So he got gonorrhea, right? All right, uh, he was uh, he was banging Vietnamese hookers left and right without protection, and surprise, surprise, gonorrhea. Uh, so, well, Gary, uh, he was extremely upset by this. He was like, "How could this be possible?" I mean, <laughs> it's it's like, possible. It's possible, man. How is sure. this possible? Uh, he was like inconsolably upset. Yet he apparently just continued to raw dog all around Vietnam in between, probably horrifying and scarring combat. Gross. All right, yeah. Needless to say, after his tour of duty, Gary and Claudia ended their marriage. Not only did Gary come back to the States with gonorrhea, but Claudia had been uh, partaking in her fair share of infidelity as well. Uh Uh, These kids getting married, they can't control themselves. All right. So he's back from from the Navy. He's, he's, He's got one divorce under his belt. All right. Not long. (laughs) Just the one so far. All right. 21, divorced. Uh, so not long after Gary and Claudia's separation, Gary met, courted, and married another woman. And her name was Marsha Winslow. Oh, okay. That sounds like a fake name. It's a nice name, It's a name, good though. fake name. Yeah, it sounds yeah. nice and pleasant. Sounds, she sounds cool. All right, so this marriage was a weird one, mostly because Gary was uh, actually there. You know, he was around. And uh, he was a weird-ass dude, by all accounts, really. Like, his friends described Gary as a nice guy, but he was very strange. Fair right? enough. So he, that's his reputation. He's like, hey, he's cool. I just don't really want him to be around. Uh, he was extremely sexually demanding of his wives, and Marsha was no exception. All right? uh, it's said that he demanded sex from Marsha several times per day, often wanting to do it in public places and the woods. He just so really, he's just a freak. He wanted to take Vietnam home with him, I guess. That's like a once every year or so thing. And nah, then he wants it all the time. To do, yeah, all right. Well, uh, yeah, public places in the woods. This was all true, while at the same time, Gary became extremely religious during he and Marsha's marriage. That's a wild twist. It is, it is. So he would go door to door trying to like convert people. He was one of those guys. 
Oh, uh, he would Lord. like, yeah, he would read the Bible out loud all the time, like at home and at work. Uh, he worked for a trucking company, by the way, his Kenworth Trucking Company. He was doing like a detail paint work and stuff. Oh, right. He did that for like thirty years. He held the job. That's a, it seems like a decent living, you know. Yeah, right. Probably. I mean, I would imagine it's a little monotonous after a while, but I mean, it's probably pretty fun. He probably liked it. I don't know. He had a he had a uh, you know a pretty active life outside of outside of work. So I feel like he could put it behind him. Yeah. He would oftentimes cry during and after sermons as well. So he was just so filled with the Lord, just so filled up there. Uh, but as uh, there oftentimes is underneath that apparent religious devotion, there was fucking evil. All right, just a um, wee bit, <laughs> just just a, a, just a bit little bit at the moment. Yeah, Marsha remembers a particular night where the two had been drinking at the at like you know some social event just out on the town, and they uh, they had come home, they got out of their van, uh, and that's when suddenly Marsha had hands around her neck from behind. No, oh. uh-huh. not good. So she began to panic, and the hands squeezed harder and harder, and then she was released. And immediately when she was released, she turned around, and she saw Gary dart behind the van and come out as if it wasn't him who had just done that. I don't know what that was. That was weird. Like, Did you see that guy? Like, Even if that is like a drunken prank, that's like insane. And the fact that they were drunk makes it better because you know he was stumbling or like very obviously yeah, the guy yeah. doing it. She did say apparently that he could walk like completely silently. That's scary. Like he had just this weird ability to just sneak. That's a weird trait. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, so uh, despite all this craziness, but predictably, based on how um, often they were having sex, Gary and Marcia had their son, Matthew, in 1975. So he's reproduced. That's good. All right. And the, sent yeah. him into the world. All yeah. Right. They good. can swim. Gross. Yeah. At the, at the two, and, you know, the two stayed together and raised Matthew for about six years until their separation in 1981. Uh, due to again infidelity on both sides, because Gary was insatiable. All right, when he I said, it now, dude. yeah, he it. but when I said he expected sex like multiple times per day, it was like eight to ten times a day. Jesus and Christ! <laughs> she was getting sick of his shit, and she was looking for something on the side. And he's never going to be satisfied, so he's going to go out and engage with sex workers on top of all the action he's getting at home. Yeah, you know, he's just he's an animal. All right, so in any case, uh, to Matthew, Gary was actually like a good man and like a father. Like he, he was actually a good, by all accounts, or most importantly from Matthew's accounts, like he was like, yeah, he was like a good dad. That's surprisingly wholesome, Isn't actually. it? He it's- was attentive. He like described Matthew himself, Matthew himself. He was just like, he was like a wholesome dad from a TV show, okay. you know? I respect that. A little bit. I mean, obviously a not bit. a man, but that's it's nice to no, see. No, his extracurriculars know? were questionable, but, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, kudos on that front, at the very minimum. Yeah, he was very caring. He he went to all his soccer games. He took him camping, all that shit. Glamping or camping? I think it was camping. Oh, okay. And we'll, we'll get into a camping scenario that was oh, definitely yeah. not glamping. No, uh, that one's the... That's a, I don't even know what you... Cramp, crapping. Really. Cramping. Which is awful. Ugh. Just drink water. All right, so um, you know we'll we'll see how the how this all played into Gary's life of crime that was to come shortly after him and Marcia's divorce. All right, so it was two years after uh, his divorce from Marcia that Gary began his insanely prolific life of crime. Um, I mean, he hit the ground fucking running because earlier when I said uh, he'd kill between seventy-one and ninety people in sixteen years. Like I said, also at the beginning, it was basically just within two years. Yeah, it so was, I wasn't lying, but the first two years of his killing were insane. Yeah, it was quite the spree, um, more so I think than probably anybody else. That's not a mass shooting or something like that. You know, <laughs> this man is a singular mass shooting. Yeah, it's crazy. He, he is a human tornado made of knives. Yeah, like, there we coming. go. He's coming hard. <laughs> Between uh, 1982 and 1984, he killed most of his victims. 
Like, this guy was killing at least one person every two weeks at minimum. That's a lot. All right, for two years. <laughs> a lot of tracks to cover, for yeah. sure. All right, so his victims were always, uh, almost always, uh, sex workers with the occasional teenage runaway. And they were all picked up uh, by Ridgeway along Pacific Highway South, the general area near, like, uh, Seattle and Tacoma, Washington. All right, all right. All right. So usually I, I'd have like a ton of like specifics on each murder, like dates and names and like maybe a timeline and like a story details. We but, don't need that for this. Yeah, but it, the sheer mass of victims and the fact that most of them lived a lifestyle generally looked down upon by society, there there aren't many uh, investigative uh, results. So so And Gary did it so often that like, it all probably just blends together for him, right? Yeah, I mean, you would need a dictionary for all these actual murders, you know? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. to describe who the victims were and give background, it would it would require a significant amount of time. Yeah. So I'm just going to give some details of, like, his method and, like, how it would usually go down. All right, I like that. Uh, I like that. Yeah, so Gary would pick up sex workers in his truck, right, and he'd either take them back to his house, or he'd go out to a secluded area of the woods, and he'd or he'd just do the deed right there in his car. So uh, the two would be having sex, and he'd eventually begin doing it from behind, like you do, All right. Right. you know, just normal stuff. Uh, he'd then uh, mid-coitus reach out uh, his forearm, put it around their neck, and pull back on it with his other arm, suffocating the victim to death. Whoa. Yeah. So, for uh, for his first five victims, he dumped their bodies in the woods near, uh, you know, like around the Green River, which uh, were pretty quickly discovered and made headlines. The newspaper dubbed the perpetrator the Green River Killer, and Gary saw this and immediately stopped dumping his victims there. Fuck, that guy. Because, <laughs> you know, like, he may be a dumb guy, but he's not, like, stupid. Yeah, he's not exactly. <laughs> you know, like... But, uh, all right, yeah, so with the news catching wind of his story, uh, sex workers uh, became more, you know, wary of Johns they weren't familiar with, and especially ones that they'd seen pick up other girls who just so happened to be absent from the corner the next day. Makes sense. Which is reasonable, very reasonable, these people. Uh, but Gary had sort of a way of working around this, right? So with his son Matthew being very young at the time, uh, Gary's truck often had his son's toys and like a car seat in the back. And he'd sometimes show victims like pictures of his son before, you know, before they knew they were going to be victims. Um, he'd show him like pictures of his son and talk about his divorce and how much he loved his son. Because again, he was a good dad. So I guess he could probably make it pretty believable, right? Yeah. He's got to be honest about that one. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. So this would more often times than not calm the victim before engaging in sex Thinking he was just like a sweet guy with uh, with a kid who needed to get his, to get his racks off. All right, right. Makes so sense. he's kind of quelling the situation before he murders. Uh, the method he was using for strangulation, basically like his bare hands, um, it was proving to be a little messy as he as he went on for the first like dozen or so, <laughs> which is an insane way to talk about. Yeah, just the first <laughs> dead people. Twelve to fifteen. Yeah, the first like dozen. Baker's dozen, let's say that. Yeah. Hey, May the Baker's dozen. All right. There you go. Um, so Gary, uh, he was he was walking away from each murder with a fair amount of defensive wounds. You know, which is reasonable. Yeah, I was like, I, I gave uh, like a little pause because like <laughs> it that one really just makes sense. Yeah, it's know? like they're probably gonna. I mean, try to live. Most people don't want to die. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get some scratches and punches and slaps. You're going to get some stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he's getting all these defensive wounds. So what does Gary do, right? So he begins strangling the victims with their own clothes. Ah. And then ropes sometimes. But, like, yeah, he's just like, I'll just be, like, a couple inches back, you know? Uh, this wasn't the only tweak to his process that he made. Seeing as the news uh, was privy to the Green River dump site of his, he began dumping bodies of uh, of his victims in different locations. Genius. 
You know? Yeah, he's picking uh, up now. <laughs> he's, he's starting to understand. He's getting the swing of it. He's like, I get, I get what they're doing. I, they're mapping it. Yeah. He called them clusters. And, uh, and he'd, like, dump and sometimes pose the nude bodies uh, in these areas, right? So Gary would also uh, oftentimes return to the bodies of his victims to engage in, what is that, Grant? Necrophilia. Yeah, you said it. I was to- it's I necrophilia. was going to say, like, post-life coitus. <laughs> Just something to, like, ease the the, nope. the word, you know? Nope, he's fucking these dead people. That's it. I'm, I'm trying to, like smooth it over a little bit yeah he's just banging corpses man. <laughs> since when are you the one to try to like ease the audience into stuff See, he's a tough one cause it's like i feel like him personally like this just his entire lifestyle of killing it's so much more sad than other stories because it's like going out to drink a beer at a bar because you're lonely yeah. Or something like he does it that often. Like it really is just he is the prime example of if his mother just gave him a big hug, he would have been fine. Or just showed any sort of positive yeah. anything. Like in other cases, <laughs> like, yeah, you could make that argument, but there's other factors that play into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this one specifically, like if he just had a mom that wasn't a bitch, he would have been just He'd have been happy just painting. And yeah. Like, that'd have been his life. He'd have been great at it. She just shouldn't have washed his balls. Yeah. Just send him in the fucking bathroom and tell him to wash himself. Yeah, like, he... That If that happened, he'd probably be fine. This could have all been <laughs> like, avoided so easily. More yeah. so than anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so necrophilia, right? So he, he would return to these things. Um, in, in later interviews, uh, Gary claimed that he did not prefer necrophilia, but in times that he felt he should lay low, it temporarily quelled his urge to kill by doing this. That's laying low. That's laying low, is returning to a crime, uh, not a crime scene, but a dump site of bodies to fuck them. Yeah. All right, so because uh, he, he never thought what he was doing was wrong. I don't want you to think that he had some sort of internal moral dilemma regarding any of this. He thought that he was like cleaning up the streets. Yeah, was like, he, like he pictured himself, he privied himself as as the Batman of hookers. Yeah, he, he was cleaning up the streets. He was helping the police. Yeah, and, he was taking down these petty criminals one at a time. Yeah, his way. You know, turn in your badge and your gun, and he's still going rogue. Yeah, he's still doing it. Yeah, he's outside uh, the law. He's what they would classify in an institution as very fucked up. Yeah. There's no On the official describe. document. Yeah. yeah, just fucked up. F- VFU. FU, baby. Fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he thought he was helping. He was like, this, this is great. I'm doing God's work, but no one can know about it. Well, He like knew it was wrong, but also he was like, there's nothing wrong with this. You know, it was, it was, it was really weird. He uh, also, you know, his religious proclivities kind of fueled that mindset. Uh, uh, he would pick up sex workers, engage in sex, and it seemed as though he would become enraged afterward because they allowed him to do that, uh, or something is, like that. <laughs> like he was—he was basically a fucking nut. How dare you uh, let <laughs> me pay you money for sex? Yeah. And I'm sure, like, it was, you know, the anger and sexuality from his mother, and then his father was complaining about all these hookers everywhere. And, uh, you know, just, he was he was fucking nuts. So these clusters of victims, they grew and grew and became more and more clusters. they just multiplying these things. Um, oftentimes, Gary would take cigarette butts and, like, chewed pieces of gum from, like, a public place and just scatter them around the, the cluster dump site oh. so as to throw off the police if they ever came across them, right? All right, all right. But it's, like, it wasn't even for, like, a DNA purpose because they didn't really have DNA testing back then. It, it was just, like, all right, we're looking for a smoker. Yeah. Or, like, we're looking for a, a gum chewer. Yeah, just some, like, some type of lead. It's you like, know? all right, yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Yeah, there we go. He would sometimes uh, take the victims' bodies across state lines into Oregon to confuse authorities. Again, if they ever came across stuff. All right, all right. Ugh. We have juicy burps. All right, so uh, th- there, was, there was one occasion 
where Gary took Matthew. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you, Jake. That might be the grossest thing I've heard. What? Juicy burps? Yeah, I heard the- You've never had a juicy burp? I mean, everyone has. Well, fucker, you marinate in farts in your chair all day and smell I, it on a delay. I do, but I don't announce it to everyone in the you world, know what? Jake. You if, are worse than the necrophilia. Everyone, <laughs> if you have had a juicy burp, let me know. Start a call to gmail.com. All right, juicy burps. Anyways, back to the, the necrophilia. Yeah. Yeah, it's about, oh, yeah, it's I like how you feel about notebooks, huh? Yeah, I hate notebooks or whatever. Yeah, well, I hate you. I remember that. Yeah. Well, there was an occasion where Gary took Matthew on a camping trip. All right, he was, it was at the age of seven, uh, Matthew was. So, meanwhile, uh, there was two bodies in the trunk of the, of the car that Gary stealthily disposed of while on the fun father-son adventure. <gasps> <laughs> that was my best attempt at a surprise. What? What? It, 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 it just seems, you know, par for the course. No, you know? yeah, it is par for the course. Uh, so, <laughs> so once the first of Ridgeway's victims were discovered near the Green River, the King County uh, Sheriff's Department they formed the Green River Task Force. Right. So on this task force, there were two men that had periodically done interviews with the then apprehended uh, Ted Bundy. Interesting, right? Their names were Robert Keppel and Dave Riker. Nice. Right? When they asked his opinion on the case, Bundy, that is, uh, he offered, uh, Bundy offered up the astoundingly accurate suggestion that the murderer was most likely returning to the victims to have sex with their bodies. <laughs> and Very- <laughs> he's just like, I'd do that. That's what I would have done. That's what I was going to do, yeah. Uh, so, so Bundy told the police that if they found a fresh kill... They should definitely stake it out because they were going to get their man, right? Uh, this task force had roughly 500 suspects. Jeez. And that's too many. You can't you can't arrest all it's those like people. It's like 498 too many. Yeah. No, it's true. And uh, one of them was Gary Ridgway, though. Right. It, he's on the, he's on yeah. the radar. Yeah, because you see uh, he was arrested for prostitution or, like, taking part in it. Yeah, you know? like solicitation um, or something. Yeah, in late 1982. And he was questioned by police as a suspect uh, in the Green River, you know, killings uh, in 83. But then he passed a polygraph test and he was sent on his way. All right. You know, but that wasn't before police obtained a hair and saliva sample from him. Okay. All right. So they had his DNA, but Gary had managed to slip through their fingers and continue his murderous lifestyle. That is until he met Judith Mawson. All right. He met another girl. Let's see, Judith. Uh, Judith began dating Gary around, uh, you know, 1985. And almost immediately, the rate of killing plummeted. Okay, so to give you an idea of how drastic the drop-off was, um, of the 49 confirmed murders uh, committed by Gary Ridgway, only three can be proven to have occurred after meeting Judith. Yeah, I'd call that a dip. That's quite the the dip, quite the valley there. Uh, He even buried those of uh, those of his victims that had not yet decomposed to mere skeletal remains to ensure that he wouldn't return to them for sex. Oh, yeah, all right. (laughs) It's a weird self-control like thing. I guess if it Um, it helps, I don't know. I I would have to assume it helps. Um. Uh, Gary claimed that this was because he truly loved Judith, which is kind of nice. Why do I just have an image of him, like, them getting in a fight and him frantically like, digging? I buried my <laughs> my sex bodies for you. No, just him <laughs> frantically digging with, like, a boner, just like, come on, come on, come on. Oh, this one's fucking sludge, too, come damn on, it. Come on, there's got to be in here somewhere. <laughs> That's the image I have. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the, the two... They they married in 1988, right? So that's good. Uh, And seemingly lived a happy life. That is until 13 years later. Oh, Right in November of 2001. So it's post-9-11. Oh, yeah. The world's falling apart for Gary here. Uh, So when when, when the innovations of DNA testing would be, uh, you know, Gary's ultimate downfall. The saliva and hair samples that the police had taken from Gary in the 80s were matched with semen that had been collected from multiple victims in the case throughout the years. Oh. All right. 
semen and spit, same thing. Who knows? Uh, so this uh, this match was enough for his arrest warrant, and he was arrested at work and indicted for the murders of Marsha Chapman, Opal Mills, uh, Cynthia Hins, I believe, Carol Ann Christensen, Wendy Cofield, uh, Deborah Bonner, and Deborah Estes. All right. So that's eight of. Is that eight? Yeah. Well, you know. Maybe 90. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the trial began. Uh, It continued for about two years. And in November of 2003, Gary Ridgway took a plea bargain that would spare him the death penalty in exchange for the locations of his victims and a plea of guilt regarding any uncovered. And he took it. All right. All right. So in the end, Gary pled guilty of... uh, uh, 48 charges of aggra- aggravated first-degree murder. Uh, he wouldn't be put to death, but his sentence is, like, pretty fucking wild. <laughs> uh, I mean, so, I can imagine. Yeah, he was, uh, he was to serve 48 life sentences without the possibility of parole, plus an extra 10 years tacked on to each count for, quote-unquote, tampering with evidence. Because, you know, uh, yeah, necrophilia. Yeah, yeah the tampering. Um, so, which added 480 years to his 48 life sentences. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of sentencing, man. That's a lot. That is a uh, lot. He's not coming out. We I'm should do the that. math and, like, what year his fucking term would be up. Well, let's see. I'll, let me do that. So, let's say the average life is, like, 75, right? Something I think, like that. I think they... For a male... Um, I want to say a life sentence is like seventy years. Um, let me let me pull it up. Let me do some calculations here. Calculations. All right. So, well, in the meantime, I'll I'll tell you where he would be serving this absurd amount of time. Gary was placed in solitary confinement in Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla uh, in January of two thousand four. He stayed there for eleven years. Okay, solitary confinement is pretty crazy. Um, until his transfer to the high-security prison of USP Florence High in Cannon City, Colorado, where he still resides to this day. He still resides there. He's still alive, this guy. All right, let's see. So I'm getting conflicting answers here. Um, Let me find... I'm just going to do my own little calculation. So probably a life sentence is like 70 years. So we'll do 70 times 48 Okay, that's great. All right, plus 480. Okay, so in 3,840 years, he'll be free. Um. Well... By my <laughs> estimation. So in America, uh, a life sentence is 15 years. What? Yeah. Oh, um, that can't be right. Yeah, so that's the average... Wait, wait a minute. It varies by state, obviously, um, but the average is fifteen years. Um, so that's the that's the issue here. Okay. Well, even so, I just did the math again. That's twelve hundred years. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say he'll probably die in there. So yeah, it, it definitely uh, depends. I don't have the specific laws in front of me or like the rules. Um, but 15 it, years, really? Yeah, some of them are 10, some are 15, some are 20, some are 25. A life um, sentence. But typically in the United States, a life sentence is, on average, 15 years. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah, well, he's definitely not getting out either way. No, 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 no. no. Um, that's Gary. Yeah, so what's interesting to me about the Green River Killer, uh, it's kind of something that I, I touched on earlier the fact that this is one guy where you can really pinpoint things in his life that could have gone differently and really changed his entire trajectory um now you could argue that about almost every serial killer we've done but it's never been so outright yeah it's never been this one so clear-cut and pinpointed where it's like, oh yeah, this is this is the thing that connected the dots for him, and he's like, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, you know. Have we ever covered someone who like checks all the boxes for the McDonald Triad too? Like, um, I don't think we have. Yeah, uh, Ed Kemper did. 
Did he? Yeah, he was a he he checked the boxes. Uh, oh, okay. No, I rem- I forgot about um, the animal. I want to say Dahmer might have, but I'm not positive on him. Um, I don't believe Gacy did. I mean, they all do variations of it, but yeah. to have like the the big three, um, they are the three. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Yeah, I would. I I know Ed Kemper did. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go just with my gut, and I, I'm pretty positive that Dahmer did as well. But it wasn't all at like one time. Yeah, you know. And like for fucking Ridgeway, like it was a direct, like a direct result of the bedwetting was another like insanely emotionally scarring thing with his mom washing his nuts. Yeah. So yeah. not only did he have that, they we added it's for him. It's like the fucking rectangle. You know, it's not the triangle. It's the rectangle. Yeah. He has another issue going on down this there. Is a, this is a, a fucking structure. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really good example of just a guy that really was just born to do that. Um, <laughs> it kind of yeah. Sad sad as enough uh, sad enough as it is to say, uh, I can't see him doing anything else in his spare time. No, I mean with everything the, with his about, life that he had. Everything about his upbringing, and I'm not blaming the parents. But, you could blame Mary. Uh, yeah, she gets the blame for for sure. But everything about the day to day life of his childhood led him to where he ended up, and it's. I mean, it's just kind of wild to think about. It's kind of sad. I mean, yeah, obviously he's a fucking monster, but it's. The guy had issues, you know what I no, mean? No, yeah, don't we all have issues, you know? And that's the tricky thing with stories like this is how do you balance that feeling of, I don't want to call it anger, because if it didn't affect you personally, you're not you're not angry at the guy. You could dislike him and hate him, but I don't know if you're like... I feel like some people might feel some anger. You might. You know, that's um, a lot of dead uh, young ladies. But how do you balance that emotion of hatred and anger with empathy for at least the the early years, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's the same. It, I mean, I feel like if you try, if you think about it too hard, you might end up like him. It's like the dissonance of fucking sexual attraction to his mom and wanting to kill her. Yeah, it's You weird. know, it's like you can't feel completely bad for this guy at the same time as like, oh, he probably should have died, but he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he's still there. But yeah, it, it's he's a tricky case. Um, the fact that it took so long it i wouldn't say it's surprising in a case especially with the the time that it occurred yeah like i said i mean like sex workers and runaways like you can't pick a better victim if you're trying to not get caught yeah they're like no one they don't really give a shit about them and it's it's shocking this to see that he got away with so like the sheer volume um but i mean i guess that's it just—it really just was the, a product of the time, you know. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get away with stuff. I have juicy burps every day. But it's yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about. And farts, yes. That yes, that was the Green River Killer himself, not the drink Green River. Oh, the dude! Location. I want some Green River soda. Green River is quite delicious. Yeah, if you're out there and you don't know what we're talking about, it's simply a green soda. Yeah, and it's just called Green River, and it's fucking awesome. I don't know if that's like a Midwest thing. I don't know. What is it? It's pretty much, if I had to describe it, it's like Mountain Dew that's been watered down with 7-Up. Yeah. So it's just very sweet, but not as like strong as a Mountain Dew. Yeah. Um, It's brilliantly colored green. Oh, yeah. It's, All right? It's, it's, it's more green, green than anything else. But, yeah, so that that was Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer. How about Gary that, Ridgway, yeah. That, I, I think that's effectively our episode for the week. Yeah. I, I honestly didn't know if this one would be a one-off or not, but... I had a feeling... By golly, it, it was, you know. I was looking at... Um, they had a couple books that were pretty short, and I was like, if I can get it in time, maybe, but I was like, it's not going to be here until Wednesday, and I'm not going to plow through this fucking it's thing. It's insane how, like, the fact that he killed so many people... That we have next to nothing on them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's the result of all these fucking people dying. Is like, we don't really know, but this is what he'd do to them. Well, and it's I, like, fuck, man. I think it's, it's not even a matter of not knowing. I think it's more of we could sort of connect our own dots just based on what it is, you know? It's yeah, like, and that, that would kind of be a, a mentally and emotional, like, 
taxing thing to do is go through every single one of them. Yeah, and it's like we know we we understand his MO, we understand how he did it. Um it sort of speaks for itself yeah. in that aspect, you know, enough to where you don't need to I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that are keeping tabs on it and like doing things for the family or just the people in general. Yeah, kudos to them, but But it's definitely know. something that I think as a whole in the world when it comes to things like this, it's it's it explains itself pretty easily. Yeah, you know? it's like, well, God damn it. Yeah, you're just like, well, that's what it is. That's fucked up. But I guess we we get it. We got to move on. It. You know, I'd say, yeah. And just so I guess we will move on to a brand new episode next week. Yeah. How about I, that? I feel like we'll never cover Samuel Little either. Because it's pretty much this story. Just probably with a different, like childhood yeah a couple different twists and turns because he killed so many fucking sex workers like i said you guys can go back and listen to the other true crime ones they're all i mean yeah obviously that's a, a, a vast generalization but they're all pretty much the same in certain aspects of it follows the same line of in childhood things occurred that were probably not particularly healthy or good um, which later led to them seeing things in a different way, and that different way was not what we think is good. It was. It did not bode well for those around them. No, and it, it all follows that very, very clear line of, oh, the A happened, so B happened, so we ended up at C. Yeah. And it's it's always in that formula. And it. I think that's what keeps true crime interesting yet repetitive is because sort of yeah it's always it's you always know the end result you're not going to sit down for one of these netflix docu-series about a killer that's named it's always going to play out like a tv show it starts there's some crazy shit in the middle and it ends with the resolution that we're looking for yeah you know yeah bundy is sort of a weird one though yeah because his childhood was like sick yeah, he was like just in, like in a the guy. positive way. He was just the guy, you know. He just got his head hit, and he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do all this yeah, stuff I'm gonna now. <laughs> change my trajectory oh, here." I have an idea. Yeah, he was one of those guys. Anyway, but uh, yeah, like maybe said, we'll cover him at some point. But who knows? I, uh, I'm definitely generalizing, obviously, but there, there's a there's a definite path, and I would say the nine out of ten of these stories, you know. Yeah, maybe we'll do a lady one of these days. One of yeah, those maybe. killer That'd be ladies. A little bit different. I they're they're few and far between, and I uh, just speaking for myself, I definitely don't want to do uh, what's her Eileen Wernos. Yeah, we'll just do another one. Um, because she's everybody loves her. You know, that's like that's like the mom. They're of serial they're killers. like the yes bitch, like one mm-hmm. of those. And I just I just you know I get it, but in a weird way, she's sort of just the female Green River Killer. Yeah, sort of. Like it just like I, she just kills like scummy truckers that are in a different way. Like I'm not saying these victims were scummy for Green River. I'm saying she's like the prostitute in this story, but she's killing instead of being killed. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's all you need. A lot lizard with revenge on her mind, pretty much, or something. I don't know. We'll do a lady at some point, but that was the Green River killer. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> I just keep thinking of this because when you said like, "Yeah, we haven't done like a woman," it's like, "Oh my god, you're right." We should like probably do that. Yeah, that'll probably the next time we do a true crime, we'll have to find a, an interesting tale of a female uh, femme fatale. As yeah, they say, yeah. You know? oh, it works um, on so many levels. There's some good. There's some good ones out there for sure. So we'll oh, I'm sure we'll, we'll bring them to the table. But until then. But until then, yeah, we are starting a cult that's grand. I'm Jake Mitch was here, and you can follow us on all the shit. Yes, you all can. All right, you can follow us on all the shit. It's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we are also on TikTok. It's uh, W-A-S-A-C underscore pod. That's the handle. And then also we're on YouTube. You can like and subscribe there and listen to all the stuff. It always helps us. And there's a link below for the Patreon, and we do bi-weekly episodes. Yes, we do. Uh, there, I do the extra content. Get it, dive into our minds more so. Why not? Than, you know? than here. Yeah. All right. So that's that's it. We are starting to call this Quinn. I'm Jake. Mitch is over there. He's going to say bananas pretty soon.
Probably very soon. Like, like around... Bananas! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.